0: Now, once again, with today's Carolina Newsmakers, here's Don Curtis.
1: We're back uh, with Carolina Newsmakers, and this week we're honored to have uh, uh, Senator Phil Berger, who uh, serves as President Pro Tem of the Senate, uh, a position that he assumed in 2011. And uh, I, I suspect this has been an interesting nine years because a lot has been accomplished. North Carolina's uh, 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 tax situation has changed to the point where we are now are very attractive to business, and uh, taxes are uh, more in line with uh, where we would like for them to be. So you've had a, a great nine-year run so far. Uh, I, I, I think it, this would be a good time to talk about some of the missing faces that have helped you accomplish this. People who are retiring from uh, work with, uh, with you in the Senate, you might want to mention a few of them that you're going to be missing and then also like to talk about some of the new faces that are coming in that you're looking forward to working with.
0: Well, uh, as far as uh, folks I'm going to miss, uh, th- this term, you know, uh, Senator John Alexander uh, from, uh, from Wake County uh, is retiring. Uh, also, uh, Senator Harry Brown, who uh, he and I uh, turn out to be the uh, the last of the Republicans in the Senate who were Republicans in the Senate when Republicans were in the minority. So uh, with Harry retiring, uh I'm, i'll be the uh the only one uh left uh, that was uh, was in the minority uh we're also um uh, seeing uh, uh, senator jim davis uh retire uh jim has been a co-chair of our transportation committee has done a marvelous job he's one of those guys lives in macon county that uh when uh, when it was time for uh for the legislature to start uh, uh he had a five or a six hour drive just to get to uh to the legislative building and uh and so he is uh, retiring we lost uh uh, to uh, retirement, uh, Senator Jerry Tillman, uh, before the end of the session, uh, he's now serving as one of the members of the uh, transportation board. Uh, but Jerry had, um, you know, he had a, a very uh, significant career before he came to the legislature. Uh, he had been an educator, uh, school principal, uh, a, uh, an assistant superintendent, uh, was one of uh, the folks that uh, we relied on as far as education policy is concerned. Uh, and uh, Andy Wells is another one of our members that uh, that retired uh, before the uh, the end of the session, and uh, will not be back with us. Uh, but we've got some uh, some new folks. Uh, we've got a few folks who have uh, come over from uh, from the uh, uh, the the House. Uh, uh, now Senator Steve Jarvis, former House member, uh, is with us. He's from Davidson County. Uh, we also uh, have uh, former House member and now Senator Kevin Corbin who took Senator Davis's place, uh, uh, also from Macon County, uh, looking forward to those long trips uh, uh, to uh, the legislature. Uh, We have uh, Dave Craven, who's a uh, young man uh, from uh, Randolph County taking uh, Senator Tillman's place, Uh, looking forward to uh, serving with him. Uh, And uh, uh, we also uh, are going to have uh, uh, Senator Amy Gailey, uh, who uh, won the seat in Alamance County that was vacated by uh, former by Senator Rick Gunn, who was one of our retiring uh, members, came in with our class of uh, uh, 2010, 2011, uh, helped uh, change the state. So I'm looking forward to, I know I've left several people out and uh, I will uh, catch a little grief uh, about that. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, I, I've always uh, said that as far as, uh, as the Senate is concerned, that, uh, that that we, we have operated uh, in a very, uh, a team-like uh, manner. That uh, it's uh, it's never I. It's always us, and it's always we. And uh, every member that has served uh, in in the Senate, uh, particularly those that came uh, uh, came in uh, with us uh, as Republicans uh, in the majority, uh, have uh, have been part of uh, what uh, what has been a transformation of the state of North Carolina. Uh, From uh, a state when we took over in January of 2011, had the highest tax rates uh, in the Southeast, uh, had uh, a business tax climate that was one of the worst in the nation, uh, had uh, a debt to the federal government for unemployment benefits that had been paid uh, of almost $3 billion. Uh, And over the past 10 years, uh, what we have seen uh, is uh, a dramatic transformation where uh, we're now in the top 10 as far as business climate is concerned. Uh, We have, uh, even with the coronavirus and all the unemployment over the past uh, 10 months, uh, we have an unemployment trust fund that actually has a plus balance now of about $2 billion. It was almost $4 billion before the recession hit uh, this past year. And so all of those things uh, have done a lot to make North Carolina uh, one of the top destinations uh, for people uh, in uh, in the country whether they're retiring uh, trying to go to a place that uh, has a good quality of life and uh, good health care or, or whether they're uh, uh, they, they've got a business that they want to move and they want to uh, to grow or whether they're looking for a job and they want to have a future uh, north carolina is the place for people to be well we've
1: we talk about this often on this program with so many of the guests because almost everyone is concerned with this this uh, same issue that I'm getting ready to bring up. And that's the fact that we've got about 20 or 25 counties that are just growing to beat the band and have strong economies. And then we have about uh, another 20 counties that are sort of in the middle. And then we have another 60 counties or so that are uh, in areas that are suffering uh, well behind the, those fast growing areas. How do you balance that all? How, how do you, uh, uh, keep uh, the entire state going because, as they say, uh, chain is about as strong as its weakest link.
0: Yeah, so um, that's a problem that's longstanding uh, in North Carolina. Uh, there's, uh, there's a, uh, you know, there's a good bit of difference uh, maybe in the counties that are doing really well, but we've always had uh, a situation. I mean, uh, former governor Easley, when he ran for office, he talked about two North Carolinas. And uh, it, was, uh, it was somewhat true then uh, and, uh, and it, it's somewhat true uh, now that uh, there are parts of the state that are growing to beat the band. And there are other parts of the state that are uh, not uh, doing so well. So the strategy uh, I, I think uh, needs to be, you know, the idea of a rising tide lifts all boats. And so uh, what we wanna do uh, from a policy standpoint is make sure that North Carolina as a whole has policies that are conducive to private sector growth and development. And uh, when we do that, uh, then uh, we're going to see uh, the opportunity to be uh, successful, uh, be somewhat equalized across the state. Now, uh, the uh, opportunities for education, the opportunities uh, you know, for those jobs uh, are, are not equal because a factory or an industrial facility is going to be located in in a particular place. It can't be located in all 100 counties. A university is going to be located in particular places. Can't be located in in all 100 counties. And so we've got to uh, uh, we've got to be cognizant of uh, the uh, the the things that are different about the places where. Uh, we are not growing as, uh, as we should or as we are in the more successful places. One of the things has to do with infrastructure. And uh, I, I, I would say that uh, infrastructure includes you know, roads, uh, it includes broadband, which we've been talking about. Uh, it includes, uh, I think it includes education and educational opportunity, uh, but it also includes uh, access to energy. Uh, I think one of the biggest mistakes that we've seen the Cooper administration make uh, over the past couple of years, is uh, their failure to work to uh, enable the expansion of uh, access to natural gas into eastern North Carolina. Uh, if we're going to have uh, industrial job growth, industrial job growth is is going to require access to reliable, inexpensive natural gas. And we had something called the Atlantic Coast Pipeline that was uh, was going to Uh, actually begin the process of providing that for the eastern part of the state, which is where many of our uh, counties and areas that are struggling uh, is located. Uh, And uh, the Cooper administration did everything possible to um, keep that from happening. And and the uh, the Duke Energies and the Dominion Energies, I mean, they finally just threw their hands up because um, it had been made so expensive, and the administration was so uncooperative. Um, so, uh, access to, uh, to energy is critically important uh, for growth uh, as we go forward. Uh, and I think we've got to uh, continue to work for policies that uh, keep our taxes low, keep our regulatory climate reasonable, have uh, access to energy, have good educational opportunity for our, uh, for our citizens. Uh, and um, it, it's, it, it is one of those things that you never can market as done because there's always going to be something else that needs to be done.
1: In this environment we have with extraordinarily low interest rates and our borrowing capacity in North Carolina, do you see uh, this as a good year to consider a bond issue to uh, address some of those infrastructure needs that you were talking about?
0: So I think that's, uh, that, that's a topic that, uh, that, that we will uh, uh, look at. Uh, you know, uh, before we got hit with the coronavirus uh, and the recession that, uh, that resulted from that, uh, we actually had a plan in place to, uh, to deal with uh, the, the vast majority of our infrastructure uh, needs over the next 10 years through a pay-as-you-go plan. I mean, our, our, our financial situation was in such good shape that we were able to uh, dedicate uh, a little over $8 billion uh, of, uh, of revenue uh, to go to uh, to infrastructure development uh, without having to borrow any money, which meant that we would not have to pay interest to uh, lending institutions, and we would not uh, have uh, have that uh, that um, uh, I don't know extra load or extra burden uh, on uh, on our budget. However, uh, because of the uh, revenue situation changing, uh, the 10% drop in overall revenues. Uh, I believe we're probably at a point where if we're going to do something about infrastructure, and I think that we need to, we're likely to have to uh, uh, engage in borrowing. And, and you point out the lower interest rates, I think, are a positive thing. Uh, the, uh, the other thing that concerns me about uh, borrowing is we've got to be at a point where our, our projections for ongoing revenue are stable enough that we know that we can meet the payments when they come due. I think we'll be there, uh, but uh, it's going to require us uh, having uh, those kinds of projections before I think uh, legislators can going to be comfortable uh, borrowing money. And then you'll get into the, all the arguments about what do you borrow the money for, <laughs> what's going to be included in the bond package.
1: Well, of course, uh, as we all know, North Carolina has to have a balanced budget, and that's, uh, that's one of the things that uh, we admire so much about what uh, has happened and how we've handled that in North Carolina. Well, I guess it's Senator Phil Berger, and we will be back with one final segment of Carolina Newsmakers after we take time out for these messages. One in three adults in America have pre-diabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type two diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move is called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Years <throat> 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, exercise and healthy eating can help reverse pre-diabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse.
0: Carolina Newsmakers continues, and once again, here's Don Curtis.
1: Welcome back to Carolina Newsmakers. Our guest is Senator Phil Berger, who's president pro tem of the North Carolina Senate, represents the 26th senatorial district, which has elected him again. Uh, That includes uh, parts of Guilford and uh, Rockingham County. And he has been in this uh, position since 2011. And, uh, of course, he was elected first to the state Senate in 2000. So... This is actually uh, uh, you're, you're, you're a 20 year veteran
0: now. I've been doing it a while. And, and, and Don, um, for most of my tenure, I've represented Rockingham and Guilford counties. But uh, if you'll recall over the past 10 years, there's been a lot of court action involving districts. So actually when I got elected in November, it was in a district that was Rockingham Caswell Stokes and part of Surrey County. Uh, they took Guilford County away from me. Um, and, uh, but I, uh, up until then, I had represented uh, Guilford County, uh, at, at least parts of Guilford County, for almost the entirety of my uh, political career.
1: I want to turn in this segment to the effects of COVID-19 on our uh, education institutions. North Carolina, of course, is so proud of our university system and our community college system. Such a Both of them play such a vital role in not only educating our young people, but in the economy in general. Um, what, what do you see happening as far as uh, budgetary problems or concerns in the community college system and the university
0: system? And you can take each one separate if you'd like. So I, I, there's no question that uh, there are going to be um, uh, financial issues uh, with, uh, with. Uh, let's just talk about the universities. Uh, we've got a situation where um, uh, many of our universities have, you uh, uh, Built for uh, a particular capacity of uh, of students, and part of that uh, building includes uh, dorms uh, and uh, residence halls that, uh, for the last months, uh, have uh, have have largely been vacant or nearly vacant, uh, and so the revenue that would be coming in to uh, to the universities uh, from the students, uh, you know, uh, that. Uh, if, if I'm a student, I'm not going to pay for a residence hall. If I'm not able to stay there, and the same with the uh, the, the, uh, the the food services and those sorts of things. Uh, beyond that, you know, you've got a situation where. You know, are, are there a lot of uh, kids that are just deferring, either going to college or continuing their education because of the, uh, the significant change? So I think revenues overall to, uh, to our universities are down. Uh, some of the costs, uh, traditional costs, should be down a little bit, but other costs uh, have, uh, have risen. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm hopeful that uh, what we will see uh, is uh, the Board of Governors and the uh, individual institutions uh, and I think they're doing this, uh, finding ways to economize, finding ways to uh, uh, try to um, uh, meet um, uh, the, uh, the, the revenue projections that they have. Uh, the good news for them up to this point is we have not reduced state revenues because of uh, the, uh, the fact that we've uh, had a fairly healthy budget and we've uh, had some reserves. Uh, we've not had to cut. Uh, the uh, the appropriations from the state to uh, to the universities, but it's going to be a problem that uh, that we'll have to deal with uh, over the next uh, year and probably even longer. I would say that with reference to the community colleges, it's uh, it's a similar situation uh, where uh, the, uh, uh, the 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 folks on campus uh, are are not as plentiful as uh, as they have been in the past. Uh, however normally you know community colleges tend to be countercyclical as far as uh, as our economy is concerned when the economy is up community college enrollment tends to go down when the economy is down, community college enrollment tends to go up and that's people who have been laid off or lost their jobs going back to the community colleges to get the kind of uh, uh, recertifications or new, uh, uh, new educational opportunities that will uh, give them the tools to get another job. Uh, but I think in both instances, we're, we're looking at, uh, uh, at some budgetary uh, challenges uh, that will be there. Uh, I am, uh, I, I, I'm quite frankly, not as concerned uh, about uh, higher education uh, in terms of uh, educational outcomes for students as I am about uh, about our K-12 system and uh, the, uh, the the challenges that those students uh, have uh, in terms of uh, outcomes.
1: Uh, what are the prospects for federal funding in, in the areas of education,
0: especially higher education? I, I, I think, um, I, you know, the federal government sent uh, a, a good bit of money into the states uh, last year or the, earlier this year uh, with the, uh, the the initial coronavirus relief uh, measures. And uh, I think there's likely to be more. A lot of the money that is coming into the universities from the federal government is re- research money. And we you know we talked a little bit about that earlier, uh, but uh, a lot of that research money, uh, actually uh, employs faculty, employs uh, uh, other folks uh, at the universities, and uh, helps provide uh, uh, new products or, or new uh, uh, new medicines uh, new therapies uh, that uh, that can be uh, utilized.
1: Uh, you know one of the things that of course uh, is of concern to most people who follow uh, college athletics is the fact that uh, the athletic budgets are really going to be affected. And, and, and for the most part, uh, especially in the uh, public schools, athletics has always been more or less self-supporting. There's a little bit of aid that comes indirectly from the state. But uh, uh, you know this is going to be a major concern for the colleges and universities that have been depending on a lot of funds that just aren't going to be there. Uh, what do, you, do you see the state stepping in and helping there, or is that just going to be something that the universities are going to have to work out on their own?
0: Uh, I think that, um, that that it's something that we'll we'll have to keep an eye on because uh, if if one of the public universities gets into trouble because of uh, some uh, uh, some uh, budgetary problems in their athletic department, I mean, ultimately they are public institutions, and ultimately uh, folks are going to look to the state to uh, to make sure that we don't. Uh, don't end up with uh, defaults uh, or uh, something even worse. So, uh, so I, I think we'll have to keep an eye on it. Uh, I do think that uh, in terms of prioritizing things, uh, uh, that that is one of the things that's you know kind of down on the list, but uh, uh, but obviously something that we've got to keep an eye on.
1: Well, as you look at your desk and you look at the rest of the year, twenty twenty, what are you going to be focusing on? And uh, you're planning and getting ready for the next uh,
0: next year. Well, um, you know, primarily uh, at this point, uh, because uh, my uh, my caucus has uh, renominated me to uh, be the president pro tem of the Senate. One of the responsibilities I will have is uh, uh, making decisions about uh, committee memberships uh, and uh, committee chairmanships and those sorts of things. So I'm spending a good bit of time thinking about that, looking at where. Uh, folks' uh, interests are, uh, looking at where folks' uh, talents are, uh, paying attention to, uh, to, to the experiences that they have and uh, what, uh, what appear to me to be uh, their, their ability to, uh, to tackle particular jobs. Uh, uh, that's uh, w- one big thing. We're also uh, spending a little bit of time talking to members about what their priorities are so that we can uh, order ourselves uh, consistent with what they want to do.
1: Well, uh, you know, you mentioned the committee work. So much of the work is done in committee.
0: Absolutely. It's no question. It uh, It's one of the things I miss about being president pro tem is uh, technically I'm ex officio on all committees, but I, I never get to go to one.
1: Well, sometimes that might be a blessing.
0: Who knows? <laughs> it may be. <laughs>
1: Uh, Senator Berger, thank you so much for being with us. Senator Phil Berger, President Pro Tem, and of course he's going to serve in that capacity again, as he just mentioned. And uh, we appreciate you sharing this with us. If you'd like to hear a repeat of this broadcast or hear the segments that you might have missed, you can go online to carolinanewsmakers.com and hear those segments. carolinanewsmakers.com. The program has been produced by Jason Kong, and he'll have another guest for us next week on the same Google station.